بسم الله الرحمن فلم يروا إلى ما بين أيديهم وما خلفهم من السماء والأرض إن نقصف بهم الأرض أو نسقط عليهم كسفا من السماء إن في ذلك آية لكل عبد منيب From the beginning of the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the aqeedah of hamd, praise, and praises for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And for those who wish to see Allah in action and they see that His actions are praiseworthy, they will see. And those who choose not to see, they are given reminders until a time comes. And they become stubborn, adamant that reminders don't help any. This is what this ayah is saying. Do they not see? Do they not believe? Do they not recognize? What is between what is in front of them and what is behind them? Do they not read their own history? Don't they see what's happening in front of them in the present? And don't they read what happened before? In their own lives, in their own history. Because Allah Ta'ala always gives pointers, indicators, and forms of reminders to all human beings. So your life experiences are a reminder from Allah that if Allah is in control, you're not in control, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has done everything for you in such a way that you can only praise Him. You cannot condemn Him. If 99% of whatever it is you need in order to live in this world has been taken care of, And in that 1% where your behavior is in your control, then why are you blaming God when He's provided everything for you where you can operate? The sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, the earth, the climate. Not not more, not the climate anymore. We'll see what happens. Allah save us all, protect us all monsters who don't appreciate we are responsible for climate control and change. And better the air, the food, the sustenance, the provisions, uh, all the laws of gravity and the regulated laws of nature. They're all there to help us live. We are brought into this world to our parents, 
then everything around us was uh, already prepared. So now when you set the stage of the play, and you have all the props in place, the lighting, the screens, the props, the accents, and, and then also everybody around you has uh, their own uh, script. And then your part is very minimalistic. Then uh, the performance you render is now yours. Things change around uh, in on your stage all the time. But if you don't have the stage in the first place, and you don't have the lights, and you don't have people around you to help you in your lives, uh, in your life, then uh, the fault is in you. So, here the Quran is alluding to this idea that uh, don't you see what's happening right in front of you? That there are some people who do this, and this is what happens do this. And there are some people who do this, something else, and this is what happens when they do that. Look. Observe. Open your eyes and see that the, the, the plight of those who are reckless in life is this. And the fate of people who are heedful and not heedless is this. If you work okay, in a way that leads you towards a good life, then that's your production, that's your effort. So if, if, if you, God forbid, become addicted to something, then that is your problem. Right. That is your problem. The uh, issue that, uh, why did God create drugs so that we become addicted in the first place? Right. You talk. You, you took the first uh, bite. I call it that. So addiction to sin is your issue, not anyone else's. Addiction to whatever it is you are addicted to in life, which is evil, that's your issue. So habits and then addictions play a big role in who you are, what you are, and then you don't blame people around you for the mistakes you make. And then look behind you, Amachalpa that in history this has always happened. So even if you are a very, very strict empiricist and you only believe in science, then believe what human beings have done in the past and then there will always be many categories of people. Some were good, some were bad, some were okay, some were failures and succeeded. When you look into that, you will see that Allah has already sent you an ayah, an ayah, an ayah is a reminder, uh, in the cosmos, in your life, uh, to show you that uh, this is the way for you to think and behave in the future, so that you take care of your life and you become responsible for it. Now, there will always be hindrances and obstacles and hurdles. That's part of life. You have to overcome that. As with all other species and animals, we have very similar obstacles. Just as they navigate the elements, we navigate these obstacles. There's no difference. We're all here on the same planet. That whatever came from the heavens and whatever happens on earth, then it's through your actions or it's through some divine intervention or divine assistance. Both. You should be able to see and observe 
how Allah plays in your life. What does He want you to do and how, what has He done for you? What's He doing for you? And how you act and interact with uh, the divine in Ahmad blessings and gifts. Uh, how you appropriate them in your life. That's for you to do. Given you all the opportunity you need. And if you've made mistakes, then that is not God's action. And your actions are not intrinsically praiseworthy. Your actions have to become praiseworthy after the fact. Whereas God's actions are praiseworthy before God creates. As God creates. And after He creates, they're all praiseworthy. Shuhamd, which the surah starts with hamd and praise, is the focal point of the surah. Now, reminders come all the time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is threatening people that if they don't see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the light that He is a provider and someone who is a munaim, someone who gives you gifts, Had we willed, or if we willed, we could very easily make the earth swallow them, sink them into the ground. God forbid. The Or there could be pieces of heavens that fall upon them in the form of tornadoes, lightning strikes, and everything else that comes from the heavens. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that within the elements and through the elements, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also going to show you signs that He is capable. And there's no way for you to act and react except the way that you do. And that is you're perplexed and you avoid any possible potential danger. Likewise, in life, Allah subhanahu wa is more than capable of, you know, making you fail in your projects, in your determination to do whatever it is you want to do. And he also is also very capable of taking the life away from the heavens. So the wonderful mode will come from the heavens. And then take you away. What you going to do? Not much you can do there. Right? So the time is now for you to reflect and for you to reform and for you to repent. The idea of repentance is now mentioned here at the end of the ayah. Indeed, in all of this, there is an ayah. There is a sign. For every such servant who is repentive and who is always coming back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So inaba that you come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through repentance. It's very similar to tawbah. With inaba, whether you're in a good state or not, it doesn't matter. You're always there to acknowledge Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's authority, his might and power and his favors. In tawbah is usually after you commit a sin. So Munib is like the Ta'ib, as the Quran mentions, the Hadith mentions, the Ta'ibu min al-Dhamb, anyone who repents from a sin is like the one who has not committed the sin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will erase the effects of that sin, both in this world and the other world, by forgiveness and so on. When someone has Inaba, when someone is munib, 
then that doesn't necessarily require that a sin has been committed. It requires that you're in the state of mind perpetually that you're coming back to Allah regardless of your state. So when you're in Salat, you're in Inab. When you're outside of Salat, you're in Inab. And when you have good things on your table, you're now in the state of Inab, going back to Allah. And praising Him. And when you're not in a good state, you're still where you are. That is with Allah. So there's a permanent state of going back to Allah with your mind, with your reflection, with your actions. So Allah says that in all of this, meaning that when you hear these threats in the Qur'an, you take heed of the threat and you don't rebel against God. Why is God threatening me? It's like your doctor telling you, hey, you're going to die. Right? When your doctor tells you, maybe you got two days left or three weeks left. Or you're left. I'll give you two years. Is that a threat or is it just news? What is it? It's news. So the Quran's given you news. What's the news? Shape up, otherwise you're doomed. It's not a threat. It's for your good. See it as a favor. It's the hamd. The mind of someone who is in the state of hamd, praise, so that he sees everything in a positive light. This guy, he, he's saying this for my good. But you can't do what you want. Why are you telling me I can't do what I want? Is it because that's good for you? Oh, don't tell me what's good for me. I know what's good for me. Do you? Look at you. Yeah. So we see that is that you are a servant of Allah. Number one, the first understanding we have. And number two, that you're in this constant state of going back to Allah, regardless of whether you're in a good state or a not so good state. You're always going to praise Allah, that Allah is reminding me. I was supposed to do this, this and that, and it did not happen. Why doesn't God allow me to do what I want? Now you see that in a positive way. If you see it in a negative way, then you're doomed. Maybe there's something else there. I did not predict. Maybe there's something else there that could have happened if I went through with this. Maybe there's a calamity, potential danger that Allah subhanahu wa has thwarted by not allowing me to do this. Think positive about God, about praising God. Alhamdulillah, praise to Allah subhanahu wa When a Muslim has his mindset that whatever Allah has done is praiseworthy, period except when it comes to my responsibility vis-a-vis my negligence and sinning. Then I say, I'm And I come back to Allah. Then that coming back to Allah is praiseworthy. And you feel, okay, I made a mistake, and let's move on, make sure you don't repeat the same mistake all the time, or second time, or third time, because then that will be disastrous. So you see, Allah subhanahu wa is asking the reader of the Qur'an to see him, first of all, as praiseworthy. Hamid. Right? We say in our Durood Sharif, in our Salat, إِنَّكَ Hamidum Majid Hamid. That we acknowledge Allah is praiseworthy. 
innately, even before he creates, he is praiseworthy. And then when he creates, he is praiseworthy. After he creates, he is praiseworthy. This is how you establish this uh, understanding uh, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then when you're in this state, even the things that were supposedly wrong uh, become right. As a mental exercise. Except, as I said, mistakes, faults, negligence, sinning, and all of that. Then that is human now. It's the folly of the human. It's not the fault of God. So that's why the word ad then becomes very necessary that we actually don't own anything anyway. He as a servant. He doesn't own anything. He works for the Lord. The difference is that when you work for a human lord and a human master, you're usually bullied and tortured and chained, albeit in a very civilized way. Right. You don't perform, you're out of here. Our profits go down, you're out of here. You don't keep up with company policy, you're out of here. So now you're slaves and servants of your employer. With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is praiseworthy. He's a praiseworthy Lord. He's a praiseworthy Master. He's a praiseworthy uh, Rabb and uh, owner. That He does everything for you. He feeds you. He clothes you. He gives you shelter. He gives you life. He gives you everything around you. He gives you Hidayah. He gives you the Quran and Sunnah. He gives you everything that you need. Family, friends, siblings, parents, spouses, children. Everything. But He's your Lord. You don't own anything, but he lets you use it anyway. Abd. Right. You're a servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're a servant to whom? Not of this ruthless master who tortures you, even though you sin in front of him. If you're a slave of a master, and the slave is rebellious against the master in front of him, not even behind his back. You're leading some kind of conspiracy or coup d'etat against your master and your own. No, you, human beings, they're doing it in front of their Lord. Day in and day out, 24-7. They're rebellion, rebelling. If they're not rebelling, they're whining and complaining. If they're not doing that, then they're sinning. Right? Allah says, Allah is Hamid. Allah is praiseworthy. That he, he's going to show you that, okay. You're just a servant anyway. Fine. He lets it go. So when we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, be careful. I may just do this. What? Punish you. If we wanted, we could allow the ground and the earth to swallow you. And sink you if we want. But we don't do that because we are praiseworthy. And we are forgiving. If you want to benefit from Allah's forgiveness, then you become the munib, the one that comes back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala every moment, whether it's good or not so good. Right? Now, the following story or stories will elucidate this point, and the following will be a bayan, an expose of this uh, theory. An aqidah that we have in front of us that when someone comes to Allah all the time, whether it's good or not so good, then Allah favors that person. 
وَلَقَدْ آتَيْنَا دَاوُودَ مِنَّا فَضْلًا So here we start with Dawood a.s. Look at the history of Dawood a.s. and how they were there in the blessed lands of Palestine and that area of the world which is in trouble. Unfortunately, more times than not, Allah subhanahu wa raised Dawood a.s. And gave him sovereignty. Right? And made him a ruler. As in the story of David and Goliath. So Dawood killed Dawood with Goliath. And Allah says we gave him kingdom, sovereignty. And we gave him full-fledged, mature knowledge, hikmah. And so on. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we gave Dawood from our side, uh, special, our side, fadlah, a tremendous amount of uh, fadl, grace, bounties, and gifts, blessings. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah now favored Dawood in whatever he gave him. And Atina, we gave him. And Dawood understood this, that this is God-given now. It is not a God-given right. Is just God-given period. If you put on the word right, then you have more trouble. Because no one is going to give you your rights anymore. You have when you have to fight for your rights, there's a problem. That's not God-given. So Allah says, Dawood's fadl is God-given. Allah Subhanahu gave him tremendous, tremendous uh, gifts and bounties. We will see in the following. From those, what are the most prominent? How did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala show his fadl, his grace and bounty upon Dawood? In the following way. We said to Ya Jibalu, Awibi Mahu Qayf. O mountains. The translator here says, Echo. Echo with him. My praises, which is okay, and it's not okay. Here, what is the distinctive and differentiating point between Dawood and others? Allah gave Dawood something that he did not give others. When you're up in the mountains and you shout, what happens? It echoes. So why would you say echo for Dawood? It has to be something special, more than echoes. You understand the tafsir? Yeah. If you're going to say that Allah allowed the, 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 the mountains to echo, well, so when Dawood made tasbih, the mountains would echo. All the sonar, okay, physics uh, come into play. Whatever. Right. So we say that is not distinctive. When Allah is saying Allah gave Dawood his fadl, then why is this for everybody? So when you go up there and you sing, the mountains will echo, the waves will come back. That's not what this means. This is something special for Dawood. It means that as Dawood sang the praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he had such a great voice that the mountains did not echo the mountains actually sang with him. 
Ma'ahu. With Ma'ahu, with him. Not after him. Not after him. With him. That this was the, the beauty and the charm of Dawood Islam's voice. Which is mentioned in the hadith of the Prophet when he discussed Dawood and he described the sound and the melody and the beauty and the magic and the charm in Dawood's voice. That uh, he would not need any instruments to uh, be uh, under the spell, if you can say that, of Dawood and Islam's singing. He would be totally mesmerized when he sang. Allah gave him such a voice that the mountains would sing and also the birds would sing with him. So when you have the ability to sing better than a the bird, then that's Allah's problem. Right? That the birds are not singing with you. We, we can't do what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, usually some musicians, as you know, copied the, the, the uh, sing of birds and made into what, a sym- symphony. And uh, they made the notes based on that. One whole symphony was based on the chirping of a bird which he heard in his garden. So he wrote a whole uh, piece on it, and it became world famous, one of these classical musicians. Mozart or someone else, one of them. I don't remember. Whoever. But you now you're copying the birds. When the birds copy you, uh, that's a lost problem. That's something else. You want to be a musician? Yeah, a singer? An artist? Uh, try Dawood. I'm serious. You can't go there. So when the, uh, the Abdullah bin Masood radiallahu and Ubay bin Kaab radiallahu when they would recite the Quran and sometimes the Prophet would ask them to recite the Quran so that he could listen the Prophet said to one of them that you have been given uh, the magical tunes of the tunes of Dawood al-Islam in the Sahaba. There you have no musical instruments. There's no strings there. It's just the natural voice. And the natural voice is what mesmerizes people and the Prophet would listen to their Quran and he would cry. Likewise, Abu Bakr Siddiq Radiallahu has some of you know the story what he did in Mecca that uh, he would recite the Quran uh, at night. After everybody is asleep. Then some of the members of the elite Quraysh would pass by and then they would listen to him reading the Quran at night when everybody was asleep. The non-Muslim Quraysh. And one day they caught each other. Why are you listening? It's just so beautiful, you can't listen to this. Then they said, well maybe it's not good that we listen to this because we're the leaders of the Quraysh and if people catch it they'll say what are you doing this is hypocritical so they say okay we'll listen so the next day they came and they caught themselves again the magic in the, 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 the natural sound that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives is enhanced by the Quran Dawud al-Islam would recite the Zabur with such great melody that the birds would have to join in. And the mountains would have to join. 
in the praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with Dawood alayhi salam. There's Allah's fadl on Dawood. Not only did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give him physical strength, he gave him strength in his voice, uh, in the way that he would be able to articulate Allah's praise through his sound. When you're singing, unless, which unfortunately most musicians are, Okay, you're broken hearted. Right? Then you sing the blues. Right? Which is most of the music today. Everybody's crying and whining. Then, the other way is that you sing someone's praise. And you're in love. Dawood al-Islam was always in love with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he always sang, sang his praise, which is what the Zabur is about. The Zabur is about the hymns of praise for Allah subhanahu وَعَتَيْنَا دَاوُدَ زَبُورًا Allah says, we gave Dawood the Zabur, and the Zabur was seen as a recitation. The Prophet ﷺ called it a recitation of Allah's Kalam and called it the Qur'an, to show that this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is Allah's servant who sees Allah in this light of hamd, being praiseworthy, and he could only sing Allah's praises. And when he sang with that love and with that passion, the sound that came influenced everything around him. The inanimate and also the intellectual. Those with volition and those without volition. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, moving the mountain. So the mountains were moved. This is a very moving speech. What does moving speech mean? It's a moving song, a moving poem. What does that mean? It means that it moves your inner senses to the realities of your speech, your words, your lyrics, or the tune. With Dawud Islam, he has such impact that he moved everything. This is the, the tunes of the tunes of Dawud that the Prophet acknowledged in some of his Sahaba that they've been given a portion of that as Allah's followed. Anyway, so this is one thing. That Allah says that this surah is about Hamd, and we are now going to introduce to you a servant of ours, Dawood, who was the epitome of praise. Was what? The epitome of praise. All he did was praise Allah, and he used his voice not to sing about the dunya, but to sing about Allah. And for that, he used no external instrument. It was the natural gift Allah gave him. That's number one. And number two, Where here the translation is that we made iron pliant for him. Iron became supple to Dawood physically. When, when, when you throw iron and you do iron mining and iron ore and then you start to melt and smelt, it must not something that's distinctive and is not something that's special. So you don't need to mention that here in the Quran. What's mentioned in the Quran is something distinctive and something that's special, something that others did not have. What did Allah subhanahu give Dawud al-Islam? That just as he moved everything around him, he moved everything that he touched. He touched iron. Do whatever he wanted with his hand. 
He had immense physical strength that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But this physical strength was now based on creativity and not on destruction. When you subjugate and you're able to manipulate matter and the elements and you start seeing yourself as God, then you do weird things. Then you throw a bomb which kills thousands of people. Because you have the ability to build a bomb, create a bomb, and you destroy. Prophets don't destroy. Prophets praise Allah. And they are in the creativity that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows them to produce and to exhibit. So when Dawud al-Islam was given this miracle, Mu'ajizah, of being able to mold iron with his hands the way he would be able to mold a wax or the candle and everything else, then he used it for creative purposes and for defensive purposes, not for offensive purposes. Meaning that in the state, you ought to understand how the state works. That the state exploits all the material and manipulates everything uh, through science in such a way that their first priority uh, is not always defense, their first priority is always offense. The arms race. What is it? The arms race. The word race means what? I want more offensive power and ask more than you do. The arms race. The, the, the proliferation of the arms race. So you created the problem and now you want to solve it. You created the problem, now say let's solve it. And when you solve it, you get a standing ovation. After solving the problem you created in the first place. So Allah says through Dawud al-Islam, think this through. Just because you're able to manipulate strength and power does not give you the right or the authority to bully people and to kill people. As with Dawud al-Islam. Right. What did Dawud al-Islam do with the strength? Ani'mal that you should make full suits of mail and your armor. That when you are going to use this, then you use this as a defensive measure. You have a suit of armor and you use it in battle so that others do not hurt you. There's no weaponry here. No? Is that making sense? If you are able to use iron in, in this way, then what would come to first in the mind of a general, I mean, let's make some weapons with this. Allah says that Dawood's first impulse was not to make a weapon, was, was to make what? A shield that you can wear when others are attacking you. The mind says it. You have a mindset of hamd, praise, and praiseworthy. You want to do something that is praiseworthy, not something that's going to be deplorable and detested by others. Others will come and protest against what it is you're doing. And this is the way of a Nabi, that the Nabi follows the rules of creativity that Allah allows in the cosmos, in the world, in the universe, so that he represents Allah's praise. وَقَدِّرْ فِي And then make exact 
the measuring, composing the links, being that you have armed uh, your, your, your suits, and then you're able to become so delicate with your, with your fingers and your hands that you're able to make oh, these links also that attach this with this and this with that. Yeah. Allah subhanahu gave him this ability. Now this is not a new tradition in the tradition of the prophets so when you're doing your timeline of this age and this age and this age, the iron age so if you're a social science study you study civilizations and human history and so on be careful that you don't group this now this is where the iron age started without no don't make that speculation because that speculation is wrong right why is it wrong because Nuh salam used iron for his boat, his safina. It preceded Dawudism by centuries, if not millennia. Only Allah knows. Allah says about the safina, وَحَمَلْنَاهُ عَلَىٰ ذَاتِ أَلْوَاحٍ وَدُسُرٍ In the Quran, Surah Al-Qabr. That we carried him, meaning Nuh salam on a ship that was made of planks and nails. And how do you make nails? Hopefully from something that is there, permanently to make sure it's there. It sticks there, right? That'll be iron. Right? So likewise with this, the, 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 the suit of armor and you're making these links so that the armor doesn't open up and uh, you know, bust. Very ingenious way with Nawal Likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave this knowledge to Nuh that he was able to make sure the ship and the boat and the ark doesn't capsize by making sure there's iron there in the form of nails. If you want to say the periods, uh, timeline of you know, human progress, it has to be based for Muslim on Wahi, not on your social science what you teach your children. It's not always correct. What people tell, what people tell you, what, what he tells you is correct, is authentic, and it is uh, conclusive, and that becomes part of our aqeedah. Anyway, and then thirdly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, okay, you, can, you have subjugated the mountains in this way, and you have subjugated the birds in this way, and you have subjugated iron in this way. Three famous the fourth, Allah says, Wa Do good deeds. That's the rule. What you do must have salah, must have goodness in it. That whatever you do, you do it in a constructive way that is creative, that is beneficial, and not something that is detrimental. So do things that are good. Your deeds must be good, and they must have some value and kindness in them. For you to say that you are praising Allah subhanahu wa and you are representing Allah subhanahu wa praiseworthy actions and creation uh, so that you are seen as a role model. So this kind of uh, military power and this kind of uh, emotional passionate power and this kind of uh, righteousness exists only in men of God. Only in the Prophet's alayhi, alayhi That is why Allah subhanahu wa says, 
وَلَقَدْ آتَيْنَا دَاوُدَ مِنَّا فَضْلَهُ That indeed we gave Dawood from our side a tremendous amount of grace and mercy and bounty so that you may be able to see Allah's fadl in human beings this way. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives His authority to people. One of two things can happen. One is the easy thing that happens, meaning it happens spontaneously, naturally, that you start abusing your power and your might in this way. Very common. It's the easiest thing that can happen. The second is hard work, that you don't abuse that power and authority and your ability to be creative. What you do is that you keep yourself in check and balance. When you keep yourself in check and balance, then you're a servant of God. When you don't keep yourself in check and balance, then you're a servant and a slave of the devil. And this is what we need to understand. In this day and age, that many people have many forms of power and authority, and they exercise their power and authority not only at the level of government or the military, but also in our own social circles and our own individual lives. That here we see Dawud al-Islam had the ability to exploit what Allah had given him, but he did not. That's why prophets are all models, because they rise above their temptations. They rise above their human temptations. You can't tell me that someone who has this much strength and abilities and abilities to manipulate was never in a position or situation where he said, maybe I could if I wanted to do this. Saved him. That is the theory of uh, Ismad al Allah saves the prophets from uh, making and committing sins. And we see them as role models. So, what we see from this is that uh, Allah has given us guidance through Dawood that if you, ha- if you have such fadl from Allah and boundaries and gifts, then follow His lead like the Prophet follow the lead of the Prophet. That although he had tremendous abilities, he did not abuse them. And here we stop and we make dua. Allah subhanahu wa saves and protects us from all the sins that we commit and all the temptations that we are facing on a daily basis. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us from his fadl and allow us to be servants of Allah and allow us to see his praiseworthy actions the way that he wants us to save us and preserve us. أمين رب العالمين صلى الله تعالى على خير خلق محمد وآله وصحبه أجمعين رحمة الله